0: behind, but I'm glad. I'm so glad to have so many of you here that uh, are hungry and thirst for the word of God. Good to see you here. And I want to acknowledge some uh, old friends and brothers and sisters in the Lord. Sister Kim called them. So good to see you. She's she going to be shy, but I'm so glad to see you back there. She's sneaking every once in a while and just poke her head in or, you know, we see you in the store somewhere and always such a loving person always. and uh, just grateful to have her here and uh, grateful for uh, Pastor V, Pastor Brunell and Farrell Wright. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was, I think, what, three Sundays ago we prayed for Pastor V and believed God for his total healing and we know it is done. Yeah. According to the word of God. Amen. Yeah. Just great to have them. Amen. Mark 12, Mark 12 verses verse 20 to 34 seven verses mark 12 verse 20 to 34 when you get there say amen to have it okay let's read together ready read then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him which is the first commandment of all Jesus answered him the first of all the commandments is hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength this is the first commandment and the second like it is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other commandment Greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, when Jesus saw that He answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared question Him. I'm going to pick up at verse 32 through 34. So the scribe said to him, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God and there is none other but He. This is the scribe talking here. And to love Him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as one's self is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices verse 34. Listen to this. This is big. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, "You are not far from the kingdom of God." But after that, no one dared question him. I want to talk on the subject today, the danger of being too close. The danger of being too close. The danger of being too close. Father God, today, thank you for the word we're about to receive. I pray that, God, your people have hearing ears, seeing eyes, receiving hearts. I pray, Father, that every hindrance, every demonic disturbance, every demonic distraction is stopped, is blocked. I ask you, Father, that this atmosphere will be clear and conducive for the word of God to flow freely and for the word to be glorified among your people. I ask you to give me divine utterance to speak things I've not thought, divine unction to flow in ways I've not seen. And I said, Father, as we minister the word of God, let me minister a word in season to him who is weary. Give me the tongue of the learned. And I pray, Father, that your people will have what they need to receive to take the full step into your kingdom of glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Again, Jesus said to this man, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared question him. Can you say amen? amen now last Sunday we talked from uh, Romans chapter 10 and verse 11 you recall that uh, from the Living Bible where the Bible said no one who believes in Christ will ever be disappointed Never. no one who believes in Christ will ever be disappointed remember I talked about uh, these these absolutes it said no one nobody. and it said ever so nobody ever that means no no person and no time limit no one will ever be disappointed amen. And I taught on the subject last Sunday, Jesus will never let you down. Jesus will never let you down. I've listened to that message now probably about three or four times myself. And, you know, one of my girls was saying, wow, Dad, you listen to yourself. I said, yeah, because I don't hear it when I preach it. I'm just a vessel. So I got to go back and hear it too. I want the same revelation, the same understanding you got. Amen. And so um, uh, that's what we started last week. Now, this chapter, though, I want you to go back to this chapter of Romans 10 because there are some things that come before that that I want you to see. Romans 10, I'm back in the New King James Version. Romans 10 and um, verses 1 through 4. You get it? Say amen. amen. It says, brethren, listen, listen to Paul the Apostle. Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Now, Israel, they're God's chosen people. And he said, but my prayer, my desire for them is that they would be saved. So they're God's chosen, God's elect. God loves them with everything he has, but they're not saved. He says, for I bear them record, I bear them witness. I'm using King James here. But he says, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal, zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So they're zealous. They're excited about about God things, but they don't know how to do this. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So notice what Paul is saying here, they were close, but they weren't saved. And their closeness created a stumbling block. They were religious. Everybody say religious. Religious. Notice he said that they established their own righteousness. They had their own righteousness. They had their own religion. They had their own way of doing things. They had their own way of trying to connect with God. He said they have their own righteousness and have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So they were close, but they were not there. In fact, they were, they were so close or they were too close to go all the way there. So he said, my prayer and my desire, my, my burning desire for them is that they go all the way there. I want to tell you today that you can be close, sometimes so close that you're, you, you think you're there. Oh, God. He goes on to say in verse 5, for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does them these things shall live by them, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth, come on, and in your heart. That is what? The word of faith that, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth, come on, and believe that God has raised him from the dead, what happened? You will be saved. So notice without this, you will not be saved. Notice you can have your own righteousness. You can have your own religion. You can have your own way. Well, I go to church, but that does not qualify you as saved. I sing in the choir. That does not qualify you as saved. I'm an usher. That does not qualify you as saved. I was born, and born to good Holy Ghost parents. That does not qualify you as saved. He said you got to do something to become saved. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Thank you, Lord. I'll slow down. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to who? All who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the only way to be saved is to call on Jesus. Today I'm coming for those in this room and those that are watching who are close. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you who you've been in church your whole life and you're close, but you're not yet saved. You've grown up in church, been doing church things. Even help out around the church, but you're not saved. Hallelujah. I'm coming for those who know about God, know about Jesus, but don't actually know either one of them. Don't have a real connection or have a real fellowship with either one of them, but you know about them. Even because you have a daily scripture coming to your Instagram, that doesn't mean that you're saved. Because you visit Mother's Day and Easter, that does not mean that you're saved. And it's dangerous to be so close that you think you're there only to find out after the rapture. Only to find out after you die that you were not there. Tell your neighbor, he's coming for you. He's coming for you. We have a saying in the world that close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. The reason I'm coming is because I don't want you to be this close and miss heaven. Because Jesus Christ is coming really soon. I wish I had a little more excitement about that part. Jesus Christ is coming very, very soon. We see the signs of the times. The signs are telling us, Everything is set in place. Everything is set in order for him to come back any day now. Any day now he's coming back. Tell your neighbor, any day now he's coming back. You better be ready because any day now he's, he's going to crack the sky. And it's going to happen in a moment of a twinkle of an eye. In other words, as quickly or, or, or quicker than you can blink your eye, his coming will happen. And which means you won't have time to get ready. You got to be ready. They got to stand out there in the world. Say, if you if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. And so you got to get ready and stay ready because if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. In fact, the problem is you won't have time to get ready when he comes. Hallelujah! And 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 so many people who are in church are dangerously close to the kingdom. But they're not there. I want you to open your Bibles to Luke 13, please. Luke 13, I want to read something for you. Y'all give me some time today. Luke 13. This is the scripture, this is the message God gave me, y'all. I wanted to preach faith. I was trying to work on a faith message. And he just, nope, that's not where I want you to go today. Luke 13. Luke 13, verse 22. Yeah, it is a faith message. This is the faith message. This is the faith. Luke 13, verse 22 through 28. Look at what it says. It says, and he went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? Or sometimes I should say few who will be saved. Are there only a few who are going to make it in? And he said to them, strive to enter through what? The The narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. There are going to be folk looking to get in and not be able to get in. Tell, tell your neighbor, everybody's not going to make it. it. I don't care what preachers have preached at funerals over some person who never knew Christ and only the time they made it in church was for their funeral. Right. They did not go to heaven. They are not with Jesus. They are in hell. hell Y'all quiet here in Presbyterian church. I don't care how we try to glamorize it, but if you don't know Jesus Christ, you will not spend eternity with him. You must know him and know him for yourself. I said you must know him and must know him for yourself, not your daddy's salvation, not your mama's salvation, not your pastor's salvation. You must have your own salvation. You must know him for yourself. Many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, see right now he's knocking at your heart. But if you don't answer when he knocks, there's going to come a day when you're knocking. And he's going to say, I hear you're knocking, but you can't come in. You'll be knocking saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. Now watch this. Watch this tragic line here. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank at church. We were in your presence. We were there when they were praising and folk was running around that church acting crazy. We were in your presence. We came to all the picnics. We went to the Bible study. We went to the small group. We hung out. We even went to the Rise Revival. We ate and drank in your presence. And you taught in our streets. Oh, yes, he did. God is teaching right on your street right now. Oh, my God. But he will say to people who knew his presence. Oh, man. Oh, y'all, y'all better listen to me today. He will say to those who were close, we ate and drank in your presence. They were close. We ate and drank in your presence. We were close. So close that that we were in your presence. He said, but he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers Of iniquity. In his presence but still working iniquity. In his presence but really iniquity is still working in you. Because you've not yet surrendered your heart to Jesus and you think that you can just attend church and be qualified to go to heaven. But that's not how this works. He said depart from me. I never knew you. He says, I, I I do not know you where you are from. Get away from me, this is what he says. Now, isn't that interesting, Elder Baker? He says, Depart from me. Now, this, this is at a time of judgment, which means you're gonna be at judgment there with him. But you got to go. So everybody gets to see Jesus. Everybody gets to see heaven, but everybody doesn't get to say. Can you imagine how tragic it will be to spend all of eternity having had a glimpse of heaven? Having, having had a glimpse of Jesus and be doomed to hell the rest of your life? And now it's too late because he said, I know you in my presence. I, I remember that Sunday you came to church. I remember that Sunday you were there. I remember that that month you even attended. He said, but I never got to know you. You never got to know me. We never made a connection. You thought all that preaching was crazy. You thought all that singing was crazy. You thought all that praising was crazy. And remember remember you said, I'm too cool for that. Remember you said, I'm not ready for that. Remember you said, I'm too young for that. Remember you said, one day, Lord, maybe I'll do that. Remember you said, Lord, one day when I'm tired of sin, when I'm done, maybe I'll do that. And the problem is, one event happened. Cut your life off. And now you're knocking. Let me in. I went to church. Let me in. I went to church. I was in your presence. Let me in. I used to go there. I was part of that church. Yeah, but you weren't part of the church. Being a member of EGCC does not get you a free pass to heaven. y'all praying for me this morning? He said, watch the result. Verse 28, there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth, meaning there's going to be so much physical, emotional anguish, pain when you spend eternity in hell. Hell is not going to be a party with Tupac. And Biggie and, and, and Easy E and, and Red Fox and, 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 all, and all the comedians you can name, there's not gonna be a party in hell. Not be Beyonce, not gonna be a party in hell. If she don't get saved, she's gonna be right there in hell burning like everybody else. And while I'm at it, all the Christians who keep running to her concert, you better figure out do you know Jesus? Because you can't you can't fellowship with darkness and light at the same time. while you're in in the car bumping her music then come and say but I was in your presence he said no I ain't know you cause we don't listen to that being close does not get you into heaven It says here, verse 28, weeping and asking of, of the teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. You're going in other words, he's going to let you look in. Look, look at it. Look at it, y'all. Look, look at your Bible. He said it's going to be rough when you, when you look in and you see, you're going to see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, oh, there's Pastor John. Pastor John. Pastor John. Put, put in a good word for me. God. Pastor John. I, I, I used to usher. Remember me? I used to usher? Remember Pastor John? I used, to, I used to play the music. Remember Pastor John? Look out for me. Look out for brother. You can't hook me up? No. So he said, it's going to be hard when you see the folks who made it in, and you yourselves are thrust out. Man, that's cold. That's cold. I, I'm like, God, That, that that's kind of cold. God, you're going to let folk actually get in and see and then put them out? Yeah, but I want you, to see, want you to see everything I had waiting for you. I had all this waiting for you, but you were so tied to the world and you thought that that's because you attended church three or four times or you went your whole life that somehow I'm just going to let you slide in. It don't work like that. The problem is is that Satan deceives people who are close into thinking they're in. I'll say it again. Satan deceives people who are close into thinking they're in. But close, near, does not mean in. I don't want you to be close. I want you to be in. Mark 12. Let's go to this text here. Our foundational text this morning. This afternoon from Mark 12, verse 28 to 34. Hallelujah. Y'all, intercessors, be praying today because I want somebody to move from close. To getting in. I want somebody to get all the way in. I want somebody to take that step this, this day to not be satisfied with proximity, not be satisfied being around the presence and not actually be in. We read the story here of this scribe who comes to Jesus. Jesus had had many encounters with scribes, as well as the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the religious leaders of of his day. The scribes were those in ancient Israel. They were learned men whose business was to study the law, to transcribe the law, and to write commentaries on the law. They were often hired to produce written documents or to interpret legal points of the scripture. One of the most famous scribes we know of from Scripture is a man named Ezra. You read the book of Ezra, and this man named Ezra was a scribe. In fact, in the book of Ezra chapter 7 verse 6, Ezra chapter 7 verse 6, media has that for me. Hallelujah. I want you to see what it says in Ezra 7 verse 6 about him. It says, this Ezra came up from Babylon, and he was a skilled scribe, in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. So this man, Ezra, we, we see him, he was one of the ones who went back to Jerusalem to help rebuild the city, to rebuild the, the worship, to rebuild the temple eventually. He, along with Nehemiah and Zerubbabel, they went back to rebuild the whole culture of the Jews after they had been in Babylonian captivity. And the Bible says he was a scribe. Well, scribes were around even in the days of Jesus Christ. Scribes took preservation of Scripture very seriously. Just listen for a moment. They would copy and recopy the word meticulously, even counting letters and spaces to ensure that each copy was correct. They were meticulous about the word, the, the law, the letter of the law. Their original tent was well, but... They begin to add in man-made traditions. They begin to add things to the law, add things to the word that made it difficult for people to actually worship God. What happened, their traditions begin to overshadow God's word and produce only pretense and no power. There's another scripture I want you to look at, Mark 7 and verse 13, Mark 7. Verse 13, this is the words of Jesus Christ to the scribes. He said, you make the word of God of no effect to your tradition which you have handed down and many such things you do. This was his indictment against the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. Who would take God's word and add their own man-made things into it and make it hard for people to come into the kingdom of God? In fact, one time he gave them this indictment. He said, Not only do you not enter the kingdom, but you prevent others from entering the kingdom. Because of your religiosity, you don't you also you stay out of the kingdom, but you also prevent others from going into the kingdom. You're kingdom blocking. You're not letting the seed of the word get into people's hearts that the seed of the word might produce power in their lives. You're you're satisfied with pretense and ritual and tradition. You worry more about what color you wear on first Sunday than is your heart right with God. So when we arrive here at Mark 12, Mark 12 verse 28, we find one of these scribes who comes to Jesus. Look at what it says. Then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, now he had been, Jesus had been in a debate, if you would, with the Sadducees. And when the scribe having heard them reasoning together, he perceived that he, Jesus had answered them well, he now going to try him. That's really what he's doing. He's going to try Jesus like which is the first commandment, which is, which is the greatest, com- that's, that word first means foremost, which is the most important commandment. He, now he, he knows, they know Jesus. Jesus says, remember Jesus was 12 and he was asking and answering questions in the temple with the lawyers. Lawyers is another name for scribes. So since he was 12, he had been battling out with the scribes. So here he is, 30 plus, and he wants to question Jesus about what he knows. Because religion always questions kingdom. The old always questions the new. That's why when you and I get into this vein of praise and worship, this vein of prophetic utterance, this vein of of revelation and manifestation, the religious folk want to question and doubt everything we say. Because they're stuck in their old wine skins. And they don't get new wine. But because you're a new wine skin, you have new wine and you flow differently. So the old is going to always question the new. So here is this man in verse 28. He says, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus goes on. He begins to answer him. Verse 29, and Jesus answered the first of all commandments. The most important commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Now, this, these, they get this from something called the Shema. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5 it, it, this is the quote, Here is the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You love him, your neighbors, as yourself, so on and so, on, so forth. That's called the Shema. And notice this man, this scribe, he hears Jesus quoting the Shema. So he's impressed. Because of them, they're all about the law. All about the letter. All about knowing line upon line, precept upon precept. But he doesn't know the spirit of the letter. Are you hearing this? So then, verse 31, second like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Verse 32. Now, this scribe who's well acquainted with the law is impressed and he's going to now affirm Jesus. <laughs> he's going to give Jesus his stamp of approval. He says, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your soul, with all the strength, to love one's neighbor as in oneself is more than all of the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. No, So notice he says, well said, teacher. So to him, he was affirming him as a teacher. But he never qualified him as Savior, Messiah, Lord, Son of David, Son of Man, Son of God. He only could see him as a teacher. Because Jesus Christ answered his questions correctly. And he said, to answer like that you must be a teacher. The problem was for this scribe was that he was well acquainted with the law but not acquainted with the lawgiver. He didn't realize he was talking to the lawgiver. He was talking to the Spirit who spoke the law. So even though he was close, he could know the law. He didn't know the lawgiver. He knew the He knew the word, but he didn't know that the word was made flesh and now dwelt among them. You see what I'm saying? That you can be so close because you have so much knowledge and you've studied and you've gained information, but that doesn't still doesn't qualify you. It doesn't mean you know him for yourself. Hallelujah. So he says, you answered well. You you did good, Jesus. Now watch verse 34. Y'all stay with me here. Verse 34. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely. Now remember verse 32, the man saw that Jesus answered well. (laughs) So Jesus is going to one-up him. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, now this is this, this is a commendation and yet an indictment. I have good news and I have bad news. And the good news and the bad news is all one statement. Here's the good news. You are not far from the kingdom of God. Here's the bad news. You are not far from the kingdom of God. The same statement has a dual edge. The good news is you're close. The bad news is you're close. Because close does not qualify you for inheritance. Close does not qualify you for heaven. Close does not qualify you for relationship. Close does not qualify you for the power. Close does not qualify you to walk with Jesus. And he said, Sir, you, you did well. You answered well too. And he said, You are not far. You're close. You're close to the kingdom. Now, now here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the problem. The, the scribe was close. But close doesn't mean anything. Tell you but close doesn't mean anything. Close, close that does not mean anything. You remember in Mark 5 there was this one more dish of blood. And uh, the Bible says that Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house, and a crowd was pressing on him. Everybody was close. But we only read about one woman who made a connection, who tapped in, who received her healing, her power. Although everybody else was close. Remember in the book of Luke, chapter 5. The Bible says Jesus Christ was in the house preaching one day and the crowd had filled the whole house. And the Bible says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. They were all close to that presence, to that power. But the story only speaks of one man whose four friends tore off the roof, let that friend down in front of Jesus Christ. And they got him not that not just close. Everybody else was close. But they got him so close, and their faith brought them closer. And the Bible says when he saw their faith, he commanded him to rise up and be, be healed. You can be close and not get anything. And, and my, my fear for the people in the church in 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 a church is that they are so close they think they're there. They are so close they think they got it. They are so close they think everything is settled. And my problem is my fear for you, my brother or my sister is, is that you're so close you can't see that you're not there. You can put a suit on it and it doesn't make you in. the Bible says hallelujah Jesus said to him you are not far from the kingdom of God what what a wonderful statement at the same time it's cutting you are not far from the kingdom of God but my, my biggest problem Chris is this is that the Bible goes on to say but after that no one dared question him. Now, if it had said, and after that, it might have meant, okay, nobody else questioned him about anything. But it said, but, which tells me the Holy Ghost was trying to get a point across to me. That Jesus says, Nathaniel, you're close. But no one bothered to ask, how do I get all the way in? (laughs) You're going to tell me I'm not far? You're going to tell me I'm close? And then no one in the whole crowd, not the scribe and nobody else bothered to ask him. They didn't dare to ask him, well, how do I get all the way in? I don't want to be close. I'm not satisfied being close. I'm not satisfied being almost there. I'm not satisfied just being in your presence. And many times, folk can come into a church or to an atmosphere, in a home somewhere, and somebody else has invoked the presence of God. And because you get in that presence and you feel goosebumps, you think that you're in because you're in the presence. But no, you just feel it because you're close. Oh, y'all ain't saying that for me. You just feel it because you're close. Oh, come on. I've never Smoked a cigarette in my life, but if I've gotten close to somebody else who smoked, my head would hurt, my nose would run my eyes would get red, and I'd smell like a smoker and I may walk around and folk may think I'm a smoker but the fact was, I'm not a smoker, I was just in the presence of a smoker. And you can get in a place like this where God's presence fill the room and walk out and because you've been in the presence, you can somehow think that you have what you were in. But you don't have what you were in. You were just around something that somebody else has. And walk out and think that I got it. But you don't got it. You were just around it. And the, the, the this this is this is sad. Nobody asked? Nobody asked. Nobody. I would at least pull him to the side. Hey, hey, Jesus. What you mean close? What you mean I'm not far? How, 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 okay, I don't want to be. He, he told him. He, now listen, listen, listen. He told him you're not far from the kingdom of God. That didn't even spark anything for the scribe. You mean I'm close to the kingdom? But you know what happened with him? This one, I, can I guarantee what happened with him? I'm going to speculate, but I'm pretty pretty reasonable that this is what happened. He heard that and felt good about himself. Ha-ha-ha. <laughs> uh-huh. Run back to all his other scrap buddies. <laughs> I'm not far from the kingdom. I'm not far. I'm really close to the kingdom of God. I'm the, the man said, the teacher said, I'm not far from the kingdom of God. And he felt good about himself. Hucking around with long flowing, long flowing robes. His robe probably doubled in length that day. Oh, I gotta add on to my robe because I'm not far from the kingdom of God. Look at me. That's the danger of demonic deception to somehow think that because you're close because you learned 12 praise and worship songs and you know 18 scriptures and you know when to stand and when to sit down in church that somehow you feel like I'm close because at least I ain't out there smoking weed no more. I ain't no gangbanger no more. I ain't sleeping around like I used to. I'm not as bad as I used to be. <laughs> I don't do it as much as I used to do it. God doesn't want you be, to be not as bad. He wants you to be not at all. He don't want you to have to be not as much. He wants you to be not at all. And you can't get not at all just being close. Okay, let me let me let me let me let me let me finish. The scribe was close, and nobody dared ask how to get in all the way, which meant they were comfortable in their closeness. They were satisfied with their proximity. They were happy with almost there, and the devil. If he can if he can keep you almost there, he's done his job. Yes, on, almost saved. Almost healed. Almost delivered. Almost out of poverty. What a dangerous place to live your life in almost because you're almost there and you're not where your counterparts are you feel some somehow uh, prideful proud of yourself at least I don't do that no more but do, not doing that no more does not mean you're in Oh y'all help me this morning. Some people are so far off that they know they need Jesus. Y'all miss it. Some people are so far off, they know they need Jesus. But when you're close, it's easy to think you're there. Lord, I, I like the ones who they strung out on drugs and they know they need Jesus. Give me the ones who drinking a fifth every day. The ones who they've been out there gang banging. They know. They know they need Jesus. Most of them they won't even play. They like, no, I ain't, ain't coming yet because I, I can't play with God. But at least they know they need Jesus. They need to come in. But the most dangerous ones are the ones who think they can migrate into heaven. Just so to ease their way into the kingdom. Having never made an, an actual decision for Jesus Christ. Having never actually yielded their lives to Jesus Christ and think somehow I can squeak my way in because I'm a good person. The devil wants to keep you in a place called almost. Everybody say almost. Almost. In Acts 26, I want to show you something here. Go to Acts 26 real quick. Oh, my. Acts 26, verse 24. Media help me. I'm just going to read I got to speed up. I got to speed up. Hallelujah. Acts 26, verse 24. Y'all remember the apostle Paul? This is him talking. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. Paul is testifying about Jesus Christ in his ministry, and Festus says, "He says you you are you crazy." But Paul said, "I am not mad. I'm not crazy, most noble Festus. But speak the words of what truth, truth and reason. Come on, for the king before whom I speak freely. Now he's speaking in front of a man named King Agrippa. King Agrippa." And he says, for the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things. That's good. The king knows these things. Everybody say, the king knows these things. things. For I am convinced that none of these things escape his attention. Since this thing was not done, stay there, stay there. He says, King Agrippa knows everything I'm talking about. Festus, you may think I'm crazy because you don't know what I'm talking about. But the man I'm sitting sitting here in front of, the one I'm defending myself in front of, King Agrippa, he knows all this stuff. Watch verse 27. 27. Now Paul now directs his attention attention back to King Agrippa. He says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Agrippa, you know these things and you believe the prophets. Now watch King Agrippa make a statement that will be the most echoed statement in the depths of hell. In the depths of hell, there are people who will spend eternity making this statement. And Agrippa said to Paul, remember Agrippa knows these things, believes the prophets. And Agrippa yet responds Almost persuade me Almost. to become a... Oh. <laughs> this statement wow. will be echoed in hell for eternity. Yes, in a lake of fire and brimstone, yes. where we weeping and gnashing of teeth of people who heard the gospel, yes. people who stopped by church one day, yes, people who have somebody witnessing them on the street corner, People who turned on the television and saw somebody preaching, people who heard the gospel, read John 3.16, went to a funeral one day and heard somebody preach the gospel, and they they, they, they said, oh yeah, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Oh, oh, wow. Wow. That's the motto of hell. Oh, I almost became a Christian. Oh, I was in church, I heard I believe some of the stories. I know these things. And yet, I didn't go all the way. I was close. I was close. That's what Paul is saying. He said, man, Agrippa, you, you close, man. You are close. You're right there. You know. You believe the prophets. You know these things. You saw. You heard about Jesus' ministry. You know these things. And yet, Agrippa responds with a death statement. It's a death statement almost persuade me to become a Christian. Now watch what Paul says in verse 29. And Paul said, this is your pastor, or I'm not your pastor, this is the preacher in front of you, begging you today, imploring you today. I'm imploring those who this is your first time here and those who you've been here since you've been a baby. I would to God that not only you but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether, and altogether such, a- such as I am. Yes, sir. Except for these chains. I, I don't want you to be in prison for the gospel, but what? I would to God yes. that you wouldn't stop at almost. Hallelujah. I would to God that you wouldn't be satisfied at being close. I want to God that you wouldn't stop at just being a church member. I want to God that you wouldn't stop at being a church attender. I want to God that you wouldn't stop at just because your mama saved. I want to God that you wouldn't stop at just knowing a couple of Christian songs. I want to God that you would not just almost, but altogether, I'm begging you to altogether become a Christian. Because baby girl, your good looks don't get you into heaven. My young brother, my old brother, I'm telling you, your chiseled body and your skill and all the things you may have do not qualify you for eternity in heaven. Knowing how to quote three scriptures, knowing all 66 books of the Bible in order does not get you into heaven. Agrippa knew these things, believed the prophets, and yet he died at almost... Say neighbor, don't die at almost. Don't, don't die almost saved. Don't die almost in the kingdom. Don't die almost walking with Jesus. Don't die almost living right. Don't die almost. He said, I would to God that you would just not almost, but altogether. I want you to come and be just like I am. Can I take you one more place? One more story. Mark 10. Mark ten. Hallelujah. Thank you. This is this is so important, ladies and gentlemen. It's just so important. Thank you, Lord. The devil wants you almost everything. Almost healed. That that that's Joe. That, that's what's frustrating. That's frustrating when you almost heal and you get stuck there, almost delivered, almost out of debt, almost out of poverty. You, anybody, anybody ever set a goal trying to lose weight and like those last 10 pounds you just, you could none of y'all, the, the last 10 pounds you just, not the last 40, you lost 20, last 30 and the last 20 pounds, the last 10 I can't, and you like, it's frustrating to be almost, I'm almost there yes. remember I testified to you uh, the other day about how I was I, I let myself down, I, I lost a lot of weight and, and you know what I didn't tell you was um I had gotten 5 pounds away from my goal yep. I was 5 five pounds away from the goal I accepted myself for that year. Five pounds. And because I I struggled in the last five pounds, like I wouldn't go anywhere. And I start going back the other way. That's how I let myself down because I was was almost and almost as frustrated. Some of y'all, you almost got married. double devil loves to frustrate you and freeze you at the place of almost. Whew. You almost got that job. In, in, anybody here ever fished? You a fisherman? Any fisherman here? You ever almost caught the big one? Oh, y'all. come on, man. Anybody ever almost caught the big one? You, you had it. You had it on the line. And... Isn't that a frustrating place? You almost rather get no bites, no action at all, than to have the big one on the hook, and almost got it in the boat, almost got it on the bridge, and snap. The devil wants to keep people at almost, because think about when you think about the fishermen you you biggest fishermen you talk to, is they all have the big one got away story. Y'all come here. They all have a big one, man. I had one on a line. It was this big. I had on a line. Every every fisherman, whether he's lying or telling the truth, he has a big one. The one, the one, and almost the one that got away story. The one that got away. And the devil would much rather you have a story than the reality. How sad will it be to spend eternity in hell knowing I almost made it. I almost made it in. Let's finish this. Mark 10. Mark 10 verse 17. Now as he was going out on the road, he is Jesus, one came running up before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit? Eternal life. Notice he came, this rich man came. Number one, he came to the right source. Yes. If you're going to get eternal life, he came to the right source. Yes. Then he took the right posture. Mm-hmm. He knelt down before him. Mm-hmm. Then he asked the right question yeah, good. good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit uh-huh. eternal life? He asked the right question. Yes. other words, uh, like, like it was in Acts 16, of the turn there, Acts 16 30, that Philippian jailer asked, What must I do to be saved? This is the same question. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to get eternal life? And Paul told that man, you must just believe on Jesus Christ. You and your household will be saved. You can't just migrate. You got to believe. You and your household got to believe. You and your household, have your children got to believe too. Your children don't get a pass because you get in. You and your household have to believe. So he says that I may inherit eternal life. Verse, I'm back in Mark 10, verse 18. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. Now that's a powerful scripture right there. Because what he is saying to us, Lamika, is this. Jesus is saying that your goodness does not mean anything. Your nobody is good enough for eternal life. And so many people will be satisfied at being a good person. You ask somebody, hey, do you go to church or, you know, you're born again. Oh, no, I'm, I'm a good person. Oh, I'm a really good person. I, 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 I feed the hungry and I do a lot of good things. And oh, yeah, I'm, I'm real nice. My wife and I are doing good. I'm, I'm a good person. Yes. Jesus said there is no one good but one. That's the Father. In an interesting, the devil tries to make sinners, he tries to convince sinners that they're good. And tries to convince the righteous that we're not good. That's how he works. Because he's a liar. So he's going to tell sinners that you're good. Or that you're good enough. And tell the righteous that we're not good and that we're not good enough. The truth is, if you're a sinner, you're not good and you're not good enough. But if you're righteous, God's made you good and he's made you good enough. He says there's no one good but one, that is God. Now watch verse 19. Now he's going to bring the man's religion to him. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. These are uh, six of the ten commandments here, right? And he answered and said to him, teacher, 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 all these things. I have kept from my youth. In other words, he's saying, I've always done the right things. I was raised in church. I went to Sunshine Band. I went to Sunday school. I went to BTU. I went to Bible Band and YPWW. I, I served in the children's choir. I went to children's ministry. And I learned how to keep all these things from my youth. I've been a good boy my whole life. But it's dangerous to be too close. Because proximity can be deceptive. He answered and said to him, teach all these things I've kept from my youth. Now notice he's asked the right question before, what must I do? What shall I do to have this, this eternal life? But when Christ comes and he responds to this young man's statement. Verse 21, Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack. Go your way, sell your whatever you have, give to the poor, you have treasure in heaven. Now people get caught up on that part, but that wasn't a big part. That wasn't a big part. All that was about was separating from your stuff, cutting off from the world. The big part was what comes up. He says, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Because the young man asked, what do I have to do to get eternal life? Jesus told him, you keep the commandments. He said, I've done that. I'm a good boy. I've been a good boy my whole life. He said, Okay, good, you're close. You're close. I know know he didn't say this word, but I'm telling you this is what happened. He said to him, You're close. Now I'm going to tell you how to get all the way in. To get all the way in, you got to leave your stuff and follow me. You got to leave your belongings and follow me. You got to leave your attachment to this world and your prestige and all your possessions and and your identity being in your stuff and take up my identity and follow me. Because if you want to get all the way in, you got to leave from that and come with me. And the Bible says that at this word, this young man went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He left close. He left close. I'm sure he went back to keeping the same commandments but his question was how do I get all the way in? And when the answer came, he couldn't take it. He couldn't take what Jesus said was required of him to get all the way in and he turned away and went away sorrowful. Because he had great possessions. He stopped short of the kingdom. He chose the things of the earth rather than the things of the kingdom. He chose to stop it close and not go all the way in. And my fear is for those who you know how to keep commandments. You know how to keep laws. You know how to follow rules, but you don't take up a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay. I was mistaken. I got one more place. Y'all have time? Matthew 25. This is is the last one, I'm sure. Because I want to drive this home. Too many people are dying suddenly. Doesn't even take the rapture. Too many people are dying suddenly. Suddenly, every age group, every ethnicity, every social, economic stat, uh, uh, class. People are dying suddenly, leaving this planet and never had time to make an abrupt decision. People who start out headed for work, headed for school, headed for the mall, plans for their day, headed out on vacation, plans for their week, and never make it back home. Died suddenly, and the most tragic of all are those who got close, and their closeness deceived them into thinking they were in. Are you in Matthew 25? Yes, sir. Matthew 25, starting at verse 1. In fact, I asked you to read it with me, please. I want you to read this. We're going to read through verse 13 together. Y'all have it? Yes, sir. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. This is a picture of those... Who know the bridegroom, the bridegroom is Jesus. Those who are around the kingdom, around the church, around the family of God, and looking, expecting, there's a, there's a bridegroom coming. Now let's pick it up, ready, go. Now, five of them were wise. were foolish. Those who were foolish and no oil with them. But the wise. But while the bridegroom was delayed. They all slumbered and slept. When is Jesus coming? I don't know, but it's delayed. We've been saying for centuries he's coming soon. And because he does not come right away, people think, well, maybe he's not coming. Oh, baby, he is coming. Oh, my friend, he is coming. But he's long-suffering. Not willing the the your parents, but that also come to repentance. The reason he's delaying is because he's giving people time to get some oil, giving people time to not be close, but to get in. So he's delayed. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Pick up verse six, ready to go. And at midnight, tell your neighbor it's almost midnight. Tell your neighbor it's almost midnight. I can see it in the in the cloud in the skies. It's almost midnight. I can see it in the world. It's almost midnight. I can see it in our nation. It's almost midnight. The clock is about to strike. Ladies and gentlemen, it's almost midnight. This day is almost over. It's almost midnight. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Verse 7. Then all those virgins arose, and the foolish... They went to buy the came and those who were ready and those who were what and those who were what did what went in with him and the door was shut It's the same thing that happened when when Noah was preaching. Noah was preaching in the ark. He built the ark and the floods came. And by the time the flood got the people taken taken off guard and God shut the door. Which means that if you didn't hear the word, if you didn't hear the message, if you didn't believe it, when time came, the door was shut. He said, too late. So when the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, comes, if you've not been made ready already, he's going to shut the door and say, it's too late. That means when he comes, you've got to be ready. Yes, sir. Verse 11 and 12 and 13, ready, go. Afterward, also Lord, Lord, open to us. But said, I you. Wait, wait, I do not know you. I, I, I know you. Now, weren't they waiting for him? Ten of them? Yes, sir. Five already got in there. These five say, let us in. He said, I don't know what they now. If your virgin's gonna marry a bridegroom, supposed to be you're supposed to be engaged. He's supposed to know you. Which meant that these five foolish were in the presence. They were around those who were ready. And they thought that just because they had lamps, just because they got dressed up, they were ready. But when time came, the door was shut. And when they knocked, the bridegroom said, wait a minute, I don't know you. Ask a neighbor, does Jesus know you? We like to ask folk, do you know Jesus? I want to ask you, does Jesus know you? Verse 13, let's take it home. Ready? Read. For you know neither the day nor the day. Say never, he is coming. You just don't know when. You just don't know when. He's He's coming. I said he's coming. I said he's coming. And when he comes, you won't have time. See, these five foolish thought they had time to go get ready. But there'll be no more time to get ready. When he comes, you got to be ready. When he comes, you must be ready. Because he doesn't want you and I don't want you knocking on that door saying, let us in, let me in. And he says, no, I don't even know you. I was knocking on your door before and you would never let me in. I was knocking on your door on Sunday, August 20th. I was knocking on your door and saying, let me come into your heart. And you said, no, not today. I'm still young. I'm still having fun. I still have time. Maybe one day when I'm ready, I'll come. And he'll say, well, I don't have that kind of time to wait. I don't know you. I never knew you. And you're knocking, but I can't let you in. Because you had time to get ready before. And you resisted. So I can't let you in. So this tells us that not everybody makes it to heaven. So I don't care what popular preaching tells you, what popular music tells you, what people in the world tell you in their stupid rap songs. Everybody does not make it to heaven. Only those who opened their hearts when the Savior was knocking. Only those who didn't seek out spiritual amnesty by giving tithes at a church, but still going out and living like the world. Tithes don't get you into heaven. Offerings don't get you into heaven. Jesus said, marvel not that I say unto you, you must. Be born, born again. again. Well, again. Every head bow, every eye closed. Every head bow, every eye closed. Right now, Jesus.